from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University. With more than 100 degree programs offered in four locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. West Virginia University, a land-grant, space-grant, R1 research institution. Learn more at wvu.edu. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Good evening from Charleston. I'm Suzanne Higgins. Tonight, West Virginia Public Broadcasting launches a Friday night series scheduled throughout the 2021 legislative session. The legislature today will update you on the week's news and activity from the Capitol building. Tonight, highlights from Governor Jim Justice's State of the State Address, where the governor laid out his vision for the future. I won't be satisfied until West Virginia's success is no longer a surprise, but it is what is expected. The governor also outlined his legislative agenda for the session. We'll have reaction from the new minority leadership. I think he's right in that this is a moment where West Virginia needs to do something big. Um, but his prescription the personal income tax, I just don't think that's the thing we need to do right now. But they've been talking about doing reform for four years and they haven't done any meaningful reform. Reality is we've lost 60,000 people over the last four years under this leadership. We'll have that conversation in just a moment. But first, senior reporter Dave Mistich joins me at a safe distance on the other side of the anchor desk to help set the scene for this first session of the 85th West Virginia Legislature. Dave, welcome back. Hey, good to see you. We are broadcasting from our Capitol Street set instead of what we would normally do would be at the Capitol building set. And um, of course, that is because the pandemic continues and COVID-19 protocols. Let's start with that. This, this historic time for the West Virginia Legislature um, uh, working through a pandemic. Let, let's talk about logistically how things are set up. Well, you know, it, as a person that's been over the Capitol the past couple of days, it, it's very different. I mean, you know, as a member of the press, we're, we're asked to sit up in the galleries and before um, we were on the floor <clears throat> in both the House and Senate, able to walk right up to lawmakers, have discussions with them, ask them for interviews. And now it's not so easy to get to that. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the floors themselves are operating very differently. They, there's, you know, in the Senate, there's these guidelines to wear a mask. You know, they're not necessarily a rule that would be enforceable over there and in the House, but these guidelines to, to adhere to safety protocols. So, I mean, just the look and, and the, the places where people are in the room in each chamber, completely different than in years past. And the concern you talked about, media uh, access and kind of the restrictions there, public access is very restricted. And there's been uh, there's been a backlash about that. Yeah, there, there was this group, uh, I believe it was last week sometime that sent this letter, uh, I, I believe it was 40 different organizations sent this letter about concerns and, and access for the public, um, just wanting the ability to be in the room uh, to see what's going on. Of course, 
for years now, we've been able to to watch the legislature via these uh, these streams that, that they put together. Uh, there's been audio in committee rooms in the House and, and video in the committee rooms over in the Senate. But I can say as a member of the press and, and as a person that's seen constituents and, and, and special interest groups, um, having that ability to be in the building, to interact with lawmakers and to witness things firsthand uh, is a completely different dynamic that helps uh, one would believe shape policy um, to a degree that we're not seeing this year. Talk about the supermajority now in both chambers and how um, that is impacting everything from the 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 bills that we're seeing uh, introduced so far and the pace of, of this year's session. Right. Well, I mean, I can tell you as far as the pace goes, I mean, we're looking to we're going to be in in session tomorrow on a Saturday. And, and you know, I've been around. I think this is the, the eighth or ninth year that uh, that I've been around the legislature. And, and, and leadership has said that is because of COVID-19. There's a fear there might be a breakout uh, and, and a shutdown of work there. Absolutely, yeah. But, but you know, to be really clear, there, this is sort of unprecedented that on the first week of, of session to be in on a Saturday, I understand that, you know, that this could go on beyond this first weekend. So that's very different. Um, you know, as far as the supermajorities go, I mean, I think we're... It's it's yet to be seen how that's going to factor in. Obviously, you know, Republicans in theory have have the numbers to do virtually whatever they'd like, and Democrats are are going to have a hard time defending you know whatever policies are put in place or or, or proposed by Republicans. But you know, even in years past in the House, you know, the Republicans have had a, had a majority, and back whenever Democrats did too, keeping a majority together is difficult enough. But with a supermajority, you're going to have different factions. And it remains to be seen if, if these um, top level, somewhat controversial uh, proposals, you know, can keep, that they can keep a caucus together for that. All right. Thanks very much. Dave Mistich, senior reporter. Thank Th you. Thanks, Suzanne. Let's turn now to the governor's State of the State Address Wednesday, where he focused on the state's image. He outlined accomplishments despite a harrowing year impacted by COVID-19. The governor also shared his legislative priorities. Emily Allen reports. In his address, Governor Justice sprinkled good news items from over the last year. The New River Gorge became a national park. Virgin Hyperloop announced a new certification center in the Canaan Valley. West Virginia remains in the top five nationally for its COVID-19 vaccine rollout. They thought we were backward or we were poor, or absolutely we were supposed to know our place. It was a shame. I don't subscribe to that, and I know you don't either. But it was also a year of loss. By now, more than 2,100 West Virginians have died from COVID-19. Dennis Davis, who is Cabinet Secretary for the Department of Veterans Assistance, also died. There's one that is watching from the heavens above. Dennis Davis, a man that we just lost, a man that was in charge of all of our vets in the state, a man Man's man. It's all there is to it. And although justice is close to the Trump family, he urged the state to work closely with the new administration. Is we have a new president, of which every single last one of you and myself should get behind and support with all in us. With cooperation, Justice says the state could benefit well from a nearly $2 trillion stimulus package. 
But rather than spend those federal dollars on relief efforts, Justice asked the state to save the expected money in preparation of an income tax repeal he wants the state to pass. He wants lawmakers to pat a flat, no-growth budget for the next three years. He also suggested $25 million in, quote, minuscule budget cuts compared to the current fiscal year. The downside of this, the downside is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Beyond economics, Justice says he's working on a Game Changers program for substance use prevention in public schools. And on the broadband front, state leaders are working to attract more remote working opportunities to the state. I won't be satisfied until West Virginia's success is no longer a surprise, but it is what is expected. I want every other state in America to know if they want to get to the top of the mountain in anything they do, they're going to have to go right through the mountain state to get there. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much. For the legislature today, I'm Emily Allen. The governor's personal income tax repeal plan met with swift and harsh criticism by Democratic lawmakers and multiple advocacy groups. I spoke yesterday with Senate Minority Leader Stephen Baldwin and House Minority Leader Doug Scaff about the governor's priorities and their own. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you, even if only through a monitor today. Uh, Senator Baldwin, let's begin with you. Your overall reaction to the governor's uh, State of the State address, he said the single biggest issue lawmakers will consider this session is the elimination of the personal income tax. We know that represents about two and one, $2.1 billion of our uh, general revenue. Uh, initially, he suggests cutting the highest earners by one third, everyone else by one half. Your response to his proposal. Well, it's good to see you. Thanks for the invitation, although I feel like an alien or something <laughs> <laughs> here in front of you. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I listened to the speech intently last night, and I, I appreciated the governor's energy and enthusiasm. And I, I think he's right in that this is a moment where West Virginia needs to do something big. Um, but his prescription, the personal income tax, I just don't think that's the thing we need to do right now. You know, I think right now our main priority ought to be broadband. We have talked about broadband for years. Um, we have lived over the past year through the, through the pandemic in desperate need in terms of health care, in terms of education, and in terms of business of a real broadband system in West <coughs> Virginia. And to me, that is the thing that we can and must do right now to move the state of West Virginia forward. So I would prefer that that be uh, the main priority of our legislative session. I feel like that's, that's what can move our state forward. Uh, Delegate Scaff, let me uh, get your reaction to the uh, to the the personal income tax repeal. Uh, it, it, while the the senator says he would prefer, the reality is there is a supermajority uh, Republican Party now. Um, you've got to certainly uh, expect that this is going to be. Um, uh, pursued and pursued to a great degree this session, this repeal. 
Yeah, well, obviously, you know, with the super majority, they can they control the agenda, they can do whatever they want, you know, but they've been talking about doing reform for four years and they haven't done any meaningful reform. Reality is we've lost 60,000 people over the last four years under this leadership. And it all sounds good. And yeah, who wouldn't want to pay an income tax? I mean, that'd be great. Let's, you know, let's do away with all taxes. But when reality sinks in, you're going to create, a, like you said, a $2 billion hole in our budget. He talked a lot about miracles and hope and all this, but we didn't hear any substantial uh, new revenue streams to make up for this hole. I mean, I calculated about $200 million that might make up for $2 billion. It just doesn't add up. I think we have our priorities mixed up. Uh, you're talking about reducing a tax out of your left pocket, but paying more tax out of your right pocket. It just doesn't add up. And you're really just, I, I don't like the word reducing tax because you're not. You're just shifting the tax. You're shifting the tax burden burden from not only the left pocket to the right, but from one West Virginian to the other. And by raising the sales tax, which he mentioned, by, do, by raising pro professional services and fees, that's going to hurt the average West Virginian. And especially all those on a median household income between twenty-eight and $40,000, you're going to have to pay more to get your hair cut. You have to pay more to go visit your dentist and your doctor. And then on everything you buy, on everyday needs, you're going to have to pay more. And those people who can least afford that are going to be the ones that are going to hurt from this. Just real quickly to, to remind everyone, he proposed a tiered severance tax on oil, gas, and coal, the 1.5% increase in sales tax, that would bring us up to 7.5% sales tax in West Virginia. He also suggests uh, cigarette and soda taxes, professional services, as Delegate Scaff just mentioned, a luxury tax, and then he mentioned about 25 million of uh, cuts from the budget. Now, we realize this is what the governor has proposed. It's, now it, lawmakers are taking up uh, the budget and, and various bills. Um, Delegate Scaff, let me go back to you for, for just a moment. We saw that there was a, a survey distributed by the minority whip of the House um, to, to what he said, gauge the, the, the temperature for needed cuts uh, if there was to be a repeal of the personal income tax. There were schools, universities, scholarship programs, state agencies, a long list, uh, a long list of potential cuts to, to make up this $2 billion hole. Um, your reaction to that list that Republican leadership put out there for consideration. There was a laundry list of non-starters if you really want to be candid. I mean, the bottom line is we've cut higher education to a point where you can't cut no more. It's just not affordable for the average West Virginian to go to school. And they propose cutting our funding to higher education to make tuition rates go up. They propose getting rid of the promised scholarship that gives opportunities to hundreds and thousands of West Virginians over the year to stay in West Virginia and succeed. We talk about it all the time that one of the, 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 the worst parts about it is that we don't have a lot of young people staying in West Virginia, but there was not one priority focus on how do we keep those young people in our best and brightest in state and the, on, the, on the flip side they want to do away with the things that help keep them here and then by by putting this list out there raising the tax it even suggested raising it up to 10% on a sales tax. That is just unheard of. We should be focusing our efforts of coming out of this pandemic, getting our families back to work, helping those small businesses in need. Those restaurants are closing right now. You know, one of the things was it's gonna attract 400,000 people in order to offset this doing away with the income tax. 
We've lost 60,000 people in four years. You're going to tell me 400,000 people are here going to move here overnight and spend their money? I say that's, that's a miracle in itself right there, and the governor likes to talk about miracles. But the bottom line is I just think we have our priorities screwed up. That laundry list is a non-starter, and there wasn't one new stream of revenue suggested on, on that list. And, and, and to, if I might add, they talked about cutting about $25 million in our current budget of savings with here in government. But then he said he wanted to add an intermediate court. Well, that's going to cost some money, anywhere between 13 and $20 million, who knows, and that's every year. So you only have about a savings there of, you know, 7 or $8 million. So he wants to add another layer out of, one, out of this side. Then on the other side, he said, what's, what's, what's reduced government? So it just didn't add up. So Senator Baldwin, again, back to the fact that uh, both chambers now have a supermajority. All of these defenses, all of these arguments that, that, Senator, that Delegate Scaff outlines for us, um, they have the numbers. And so what is the game plan for the minority party when the numbers are so lopsided this session? Well, they have the numbers legislatively. But the numbers in terms of our um, our budget and fiscal situation just don't add up. So, you know, if you're going to talk about numbers, I think, and you're right to, legislatively they have the numbers. But if you look at the budgetary numbers, they just don't add up. So to me, you know, the solution here is really simple. Um, if you, we get bogged down in another tax debate like happened four or five years ago, um, we're just going to spin our wheels. We're not going to move the state forward. What if instead we focused on something that had bipartisan support that if you walk the streets and talk to citizens of West Virginia, they say is their top priority. Why don't we focus on broadband? You know, that needs to be priority number one, and it would allow us again to move forward together. Uh, Delegate Scaff, uh, you mentioned, you know, getting the word out and, and getting input from, from others. There won't be that one-on-one um, -on -one conversation, uh, access to the Capitol is, is very, very tight. Um, that lack of public interest uh, demonstrations, even, even um, public hearings, uh, that must uh, make your, uh, your goal a whole lot harder. Well, you know, like you said, you know, we're in the we're in the minority, and they have the supermajority. They can do whatever they want. You know, that, with that comes consequences. You know, there's no excuses, no excuses for their actions. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting the fact that they're doing this in the in the dark of the night, so to speak, because there is no one up here that we can't hear from the public. There we can't meet with our constituents at the Capitol. They're limiting open forums and pushing them to the wee hours of the night. The bottom line is they they talk about transparency and they talk about being open government for the people. People are going to wake up one day and realize what they did, and they're going to have buyer's remorse. So it's our job as a minority party to hold them accountable. Make sure people are not, you're right, we don't have the numbers to probably stop any piece of legislation, but you bet we're going to let all West Virginians know how this will hurt them and how it may help them. Uh, Senator Baldwin, you, you mentioned that there was a transparency bill that you were introducing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right to raise the transparency issue. You know, I, I feel like I've only been here in the Capitol a couple of years, but it can be very much a bubble, you know, that, that is sort of out of touch with the rest of West Virginia. And so I think it's especially important this year um, when there's limited access at the Capitol that we do our best as legislators, as state leaders, to be transparent and be in touch with our constituents back home to, to break down that bubble. Um, but I also fear, and this leads to, to your question directly, 
that because of the lack of public access here, um, that the, the role of lobbyists will be elevated. And since you can't have um, as many events here at the Capitol or, or gatherings at the Capitol, those are going to happen in private spaces um, after hours. And I just don't think that's good for policy or good for the state of West Virginia. So we've proposed a bill um, that lobbyists can't buy meals for legislators. And what are the odds of that bill gaining traction? Slim to none, but it's still the right thing to do. And since it's the right thing to do, we'll push for it. L let me ask you, um, Senator, uh, since that answer was such a quick one, um, uh, the, the focus you have said really needs to be on um, families, who have been struggling, small businesses who have been struggling through this pandemic, um, mental health services, health services in general. Um, specifically, what is your party proposing or would they be supporting to specifically deal with those very serious needs? Yeah, they are serious needs. I appreciate very much you asking about them. I mean, number one, we've got to deal with COVID. Um, and so that means vaccinations. That's what we've been working on very hard for the last few weeks is to try and get an increase in supply in vaccinations so that we can, in the short term, um, shore up our health situation in terms of COVID. But you're right, in the long term, we've got to be working on telehealth, uh, telebehavioral health, uh, and support for our kids. You know, I think we all agree that our greatest export are children. Uh, our young people, and we need to keep them healthy and keep them here. That's what they want. They want a high quality of life. We, we need to provide that. Delegate Scaff, beyond those issues, you also have said that we need to make West Virginia more attractive and, uh, you know, a place where our children do want to stay and raise their families. Again, specifically, what legislation are you pushing this, sen uh, this session that specifically addresses that challenge? Well, that's a great question. You know, we need to f create opportunities for our current West Virginians and make them a priority. Put them first so they can stay, raise their family, rebuild, and succeed here. So the bottom line is, you know, we're talking about this take biting this big old uh, this this big old income tax thing. Why not focus on the areas of need? For example, we have a nursing shortage here in West Virginia. Why not just offer a, a tax credit or an income tax for the first five years out of school if you go into nursing? I bet you that would encourage some nurses to stay here. We have a lot of traveling nurses. Maybe they come here, they like West Virginia. If they didn't have to pay personal income tax, let's see if it works, see if they stay. What about an income tax credit for recent college graduates? A lot of our college graduates are leaving our state. What if you gave them an income tax break on their first five years? Then once they stay here, they participate in the economy and they want to be close to their family. I think we need to get specific. We didn't hear any specifics uh, the other night at the governor's speech. He talked about creating more buckets and taking the federal relief money and, and setting it aside. And people, families are hurting right now. They're struggling to pay their utility bills. Those businesses are shutting down. They said, if more people come here, they're gonna spend money. But if we don't help the restaurants and the businesses that are here now to get through this pandemic, there won't be any place for people to come to. I think we need to do whatever we can to answer your question specifically on tourism. Tourism is key to the sex of our state. That's what brings people here. And once they're here, we got to show them what West Virginia is all about. Create that good experience. He talked about people working remotely from West Virginia for a company that's outside the state. Well, how can you do that if you don't focus on broadband? Senator Baldwin is absolutely correct. He says all the time it should be our first, second, and third priority. And you know what? How much airtime he gave to it? About five seconds during his speech, he said, we need to do more. 
When it comes to broadband, we need to do more. Well, that's unacceptable. We need to, he, he stood out here and he talked about the governor and, and that party. Hold them accountable. Broadband, we should be spending as much money as we can enhancing our broadband system and, and creating a, an opening environment where people can come here and work here and live here, regardless if, they're, if their location of business is here in West Virginia. And that is one of the areas that both parties agree on, and that's uh, broadband expansion. Also, both parties agree that the, the authority of the governor uh, during states of emergency needs to be reevaluated. Uh, Senator Baldwin, exactly what form or, or would that take? What, uh, what are you seeking there? Well, um I believe that legislation actually was considered in a House committee today and is, is likely to come out of the House first, so a delegate scaff may be better um, suited to answer that question. But I think in very general terms, you know, the, the laws right now about emergency powers were contemplated in regard to flooding specifically, which typically may last a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months at most. It was never contemplated that, that there would be a state of emergency that lasted over a year. You wanted the session, you wanted a special session, you wanted lawmakers to come together and to have some input into that, uh, into those hundreds of millions of dollars from the CARE Act. We did. We pushed for that. Um, unfortunately, the, the majority party, the, the Senate Republicans, um, did not support that, and so therefore there was never a special session. It's been a year now, and the West Virginia legislature has had no fiscal oversight over uh, those dollars that came into the state of West Virginia, as the Constitution asks us to do. All right, gentlemen, we are out of time. We appreciate both of you for joining us. We'll continue to follow it, of course. Senate Minority Leader Stephen Baldwin of Greenbrier County and House Minority Leader Doug Scaff of Kanawha County. Thank you both. Thank you. Next week, conversations with the Senate President and the Speaker of the House. As we close this evening, a reminder that West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news website, wvpublic.org. We also broadcast daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia Channel, and we stream those at wvpublic.org. And then, of course, the legislature today, a radio TV simulcast every Friday night at 6. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.